Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Arch Manning is visiting the Georgia Bulldogs here this weekend. Jeff Sintel, all over that, our Dog Nation recruiting insider. We will talk to him about that coming up in just a moment. It's Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger here today. Good morning and good to have you with us. Let me begin, though, with this. I'm going to share a couple of things with you for a moment that are good for Georgia But I'm actually going to try to explain why this is not just good for Georgia. It is good for college football in general as a sport, especially in contrast to the sport that's currently taking center stage. Let me kind of explain it this way. There was a tweet this week that got a little bit of attention, especially among Georgia fans. You know Jim Nagy. That's a name you may have heard. This is like the head honcho of the Senior Bowl, one of those big all-star games at the end of the season where NFL draft prospects get a chance to show what they're all about Nagy's into that whole scouting world and he was at Georgia Pro Day this week and having been there Nagy the leader of the Senior Bowl put this out on Twitter his belief of what Kirby Smart is building at Georgia let me show you Jim Nagy here he says Kirby Smart's built a recruiting machine what a uh, phrase that is from Jim Nagy at Georgia he says there were double digit players at today's Pro Day that could realistically go on day one or day two of the NFL draft that's an insane number and that's the praise that Jim Nagy threw around to a George. A lot of dog fans noticed that. They kind of like that. The phrase recruiting machine just sounds really good. And in the case of George, I don't think anybody could deny, yeah, that's kind of what it feels like at UGA, that it is a machine. It just kind of keeps humming along year after year, producing elite classes. Those elite classes added together also added up a 2021 national championship and now some of those guys are on their way to the NFL a lot of those guys are on their way to the NFL and you know Kirby Smart this week to kick off the 2022 spring practice the first set of practices without some of those guys did address that same level of NFL talent that Jim Nagy saw in Athens on uh, Wednesday I guess it was Uh, Kirby Smart talked about losing some of those guys and the way in which their story has been told over the course of that time there at UGA. Kirby Smart kind of echoing a similar sentiment about just how good some of those players were. That'll be a challenge for us. Lost a lot of good defensive players. Lost some really good wideouts. So um, it's on to the next. And you got to create your identity through who you have. And that's what you do as a coach. And, you know, you do the best job you can with it and try to get the most out of them. But certainly proud of those guys. And uh, coming over here to this meeting, I ran into a bunch of them. And they're, they're getting to see new parts of our building that they had not seen. And uh, it's great to see them. Really happy for them. Uh, so many of those guys, you know, worked their tail off. They didn't get there through some easy deal. They, they, they worked really hard. And that's what our players now have to understand. It doesn't come easy. So Kirby Smart at the end of that clip there says, so many of those guys worked their tail off. And if you're watching in video, you see Jordan Davis. He's one of those guys. Devontae Wyatt would be one of those guys. Trayvon Walker would be one of those guys. N'Kobe Dean, who obviously is a little bit banged up right now, he's one of those guys. On and on the list goes. Those guys, as Kirby says, worked their tails off. Let me ask you a question. This is not a rhetorical question. What do they work their tails off to do? Did they work their tails off to lead Georgia to a national championship? Or did they work their tails off to put themselves in position to be millionaires in the NFL draft? And you say, well, they did both. And to me, that's one of the cool things about college football right now. And obviously, senior bowl guy talking about the recruiting machine at Georgia sounds good for UGA. And Kirby Smart talking about how hard these guys worked. And 
you know, now that's on display at Pro Day and Scouting Combine and all that kind of stuff. And there's a next generation of recruits that sees all that. And the cycle just kind of continues over and over again. That's all really cool for UGA. But the point that I just made, I don't think this should be lost, is that this is not only cool for UGA, but it's cool for college football there as well. That if you're Jordan Davis or if you're Devontae White or if you're George Pickens or if you're Lewis Seen or – you know, any list of any name off that list of guys who've kind of put themselves in a position to be drafted in college football, you do not have to make the choice of do I want to work as hard as I can to be as good individually as I can, or do I want to sacrifice myself, you know, for the for the team. In college football, we're not asking guys to make that choice. And I don't think we should take for granted how special that is. For Georgia this year, they're gonna have a million draft picks. Go back and look at Alabama a year ago. Where they have seven first-round picks. Am I right about that? LSU, I think, six the year before that, the reigning national champion at the time. Uh, Clemson the year before that, also a whole bunch of draft picks on the heels of having won the 2018 national championship. That there is a strong correlation right now between what you do in the NFL draft and what you do on the football field as a team. And if you want to be the kind of team that stands on top, college football is the national champion, you better have a bunch of – day one day two type draft picks you better have as we've said now a million times a half dozen or so of those first round you know pick guys you know top 50 pick type guys you better have a bunch of those guys otherwise you're not going to have that same level of team success and if all you do is pay attention to college football I guess you would just probably take for granted that would be true well of course the team that has the most pros is also going to have the most team success because in college football that's just true year after year after year but in other sports, believe me when I tell you, that is not necessarily as true as you might think. Let's give the example from right now. Let's give the example from last night. I love college basketball. At least I certainly used to, and I still like it. But I used to be an obsessive on college basketball. I still love the NCAA tournament. I would still tell you that the NCAA men's basketball tournament is truly one of the special sporting events. In fact, on the shortest of short lists of the most special sporting events is the NCAA tournament. Uh, that is uh, how special I think that is. And I think most of you kind of agree with that. And a lot of us last night were tuned in to watch Kentucky lose in surprising fashion to St. Peter's. Now, I was actually at my son's baseball game. But I didn't get a chance to really see the game. But certainly uh, the social media hysteria around the fact that the two-seed Kentucky, one of the true bluest of blue bloods, loses a game to St. Peter's, uh, which just sounds weird. Uh, you know, don't don't even belong in the same stage seemingly as Kentucky. But finding a way to win that game individually, uh, you, know, you know, last night against the Kentucky Wildcats. And when you look at Kentucky, which is also a recruiting machine, all of a sudden you find out, wow, for some reason in college basketball, that same connection, that same correlation that seems to exist with collecting elite pro-level talent, for whatever reason in college basketball, it just doesn't work out quite the same way. I mean, Kirby Smart's been at Georgia since 2016. If you look at that same span for Kentucky, I don't think they've ever finished a 2022 class. They're not rated you know, uh, anywhere near that high. But over the course of that span dating back to 2016, I don't believe Kentucky's ever finished lower than second in recruiting. They've been first a few times, but they've never been lower than second, I don't believe, in any of those years dating back to 2016. And that same level of talent that goes on to uh, you know, that, that top two recruiting class stuff that Kentucky has done every year since 2016, go look at the NBA draft. You know, Kentucky has 
a guy taken seemingly in the first round every year, if not multiple first-round picks each and every year. And if you really look at the very best players in the NBA and who's doing what for which teams, I mean, so many of those guys, and even if you're a casual basketball fan, you're generally aware of this, so many of those guys are just former Kentucky Wildcats. There are a laundry list, long list, of former Wildcats doing big things at the NBA level. And it's recruiting pipeline that turns into NBA draft success. But what happens in the middle of that? Y'all, Kentucky basketball's not winning anything. Uh, lost in the first round uh, this year. Didn't make the tournament the year before that. I don't think they've been uh, beyond a regional final. I don't think they've been to a to anything beyond a regional final, which is less than the final four since like the 2014-2015 season. Like we're talking about a long stretch of time now where it's losing the first round, losing the second round, losing the the start of the second weekend, uh, you know, not getting to final fours and certainly not cutting down nets and winning national championships. It has been a long time for Kentucky. And that's obviously bad to be uh, you know, a Wildcat fan and, you know, frustrating if you're a fan of that program. But my point in bringing this up is you know, not all recruiting machines are created equal, depending on the sport that you're talking about here. In college basketball, top two classes, plenty of pro talent. For whatever reason, just not working out for Kentucky. And I don't know if that means that John Calipari is a bad coach. I don't mean I don't know if that means there's something wrong with the sport. I actually don't really have an explanation for why this is true. I'm just glad to know in college football it's not that way. I'm glad to know in college football we don't have to look at a Jordan Davis or a Devontae Wyatt or even a guy on a current Georgia team like Jalen Carter or somebody like that. We don't have to tell them, hey, don't worry about your draft status, worry about this team. We don't have to say that to college players because becoming the very best version of yourself from an NFL draft standpoint serves Georgia really well. If Jalen Carter, if, uh, you know, we're going to hear from Cedric Von Prahn in a minute, if Cedric Von Prahn, if, if Kenny McIntosh, if Kendall Milton, if A.D. Mitchell, any any number of Georgia players, the harder they work to make themselves into better NFL draft prospects, Georgia benefits from that. That's why Georgia won the national championship because it had so many first-round picks. I mean, it literally is as simple as that. Alabama the year before the same way. LSU the year before that the same way. Clemson the year before that the same way. We're not asking college football players to make that choice. Pushing yourself to be a better draft prospect benefits the team you play on. Strong correlation between draft success and on-field success. And college basketball, for whatever reason, it's just not true. I don't really know why that's the case, but I'm really glad that college football is the way that it is. And when you think about the way, to use Jim Nagy's phrase, the machine works at Georgia, don't take for granted just how true that actually is. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented by Kroger, and glad to have you with us today, no matter how you get to us live on video, 945, first and 15. Uh, that's at dognation.com and the Dog Nation app at 945 a.m. And then after that, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio, Noon, Athens Sports Radio, 960 The Ref Podcast, wherever you find them, Apple, Spotify, everything else in between, including posting the show at the world-famous dognation.com. Just happy to have you with us, and a big thanks to our friends at Kroger for making all this possible. And a big thanks to Kroger for a great new membership model they have just for you. It's called Kroger Boost. Let me tell you about this. There's all kinds of savings and benefits that come your way via Kroger Boost, including uh, free grocery delivery, but maybe more important than anything right now, how about twice the fuel points when you use Kroger Boost uh, right now? That's a really cool thing there as well. All kinds of other cool stuff there as well. And you can enroll for as little as $59 a year to get the 
grocery delivery option to get the extra fuel points and everything that goes along with that, you can enroll for as little as $59 a year. So simply go to Kroger.com slash boost. That's Kroger.com slash boost. And you can find that out uh, today. So more on that online, Kroger.com slash boost. By the way, later on, we'll also give you the winner of our day one of our fuel for an upset with Kroger and talk to you about how you can be a winner for today's slate of games there as well. Go ahead and get ready to get your upset pick in there. We'll do that coming up in just a little bit. We'll also get Jeff Sintel here coming up in a couple of moments there too. Arch Manning on campus for Georgia. That's a cool thing. Also a long list of other elite visitors there as well so we'll talk to jeff about a lot of that here coming up in a moment with jeff's until before that though let's go around the doghouse and when i was doing a little bit of a video commentary on dognation.com the dog nation app before the show began today with our first and 15 one of the topics that came up there was how impressed a lot of uga fans were with the press conference interview that cedric von Prine granger the georgia center did uh after spring practice yesterday and something you can watch in its entirety on the dog nation youtube page i don't have time for you right now to play everything that was good about the van Prine granger interview because it was all really good but when you're looking for those indications of who the key leaders are going to be for georgia this upcoming season i think it begins and ends maybe with SVP on the offensive side of the ball. He is certainly one of those very important names to know because of how he plays on the field, but also how he propels other players there as well, including with his own offensive line group. You know, we've said before that one of the value add opportunities for Georgia here this season is with the offensive line, a group that I thought was good a year ago, but I think has the potential to be great this year as they take that next step forward. One of the things that SVP tells us is, is they actually do so with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Senator Von Prahn thinks that maybe they've been overlooked a little bit and they're using that as extra fuel right now. This is a SVP, Cedric Von Prahn from yesterday. Really good stuff. I'll say this. We definitely want to honor the guys that came last year, but honestly, this is a new group and we feel slighted because we, let me, let me rephrase that. Not slighted. Slighted is the right word. We just you want to use it as motivation that we didn't win the Joe Moore last year. So we want to be the best group possible. Don't you love that? That, hey, listen, all due respect to the previous team, but we got our own issues right now. We got our own battles to fight. And in the case of Cedric Von Prahn, he says, hey, I've got my eye set on that Joe Moore award, which is the award that goes to the nation's best offensive line. That's a that's a collective group award. And uh, SVP wants to see that Georgia offensive line being mentioned in that conversation, getting that award. And listen, I have no problem whatsoever with a group like that led by Van Prahn saying that's where we're setting our sights. That's what we want to do. And you know, one of the things that Van Prahn, I don't have this clip for you, but another thing that Van Prahn, you know, went into great detail to talk about. This is why you should check out the full press conference uh, there at uh, the Dog Nation YouTube pages. You know, the idea that the national championship logo was still painted on the field because of, you know, the celebration that taken place in January. And Van Prahn is kind of ready to scrub all of that and ready to, to focus in on what's going to happen here in 2022. And that's something he takes really seriously right now, which I thing as I said before I think that's really cool and obviously as Georgia does get ready to go out there and have what he hopes is a Joe Morsi award season you know best offense on the country you know allowing the offensive line to be one of the real 
you know, leadership positions within this Georgia program, they do so as well with a new position coach, and that is Stacey Searles, a guy that a lot of Georgia fans know because he was once at Georgia, but a little guy that a lot of UGA players maybe didn't really know because he'd been working other places while they had been coming up as football players. However, Van Prine says he's getting acquainted with Searles here pretty quick, and this is what Van Prine says he's noticed about Stacey Searles thus far, once again from yesterday. Oh, absolutely love him. Very technical guy, uh, really smart football-wise, understands schemes. Um, a little bit different terminology because he's coming from a different school, but football is football. So I think that's interesting that he's uh, comfortable with what he's seeing from Stacey Searles, and one of the things that he kind of highlighted also in a, in a different clip was kind of differences between Searles and Luke. He's kind of called Matt Luke a little bit more of a motivator, Stacey Searles a little bit more of a matter-of-fact type teacher. And, you know, listen, I, I like Matt Luke a lot. I think there's something to be said, though, for that – you know, to use my phrase, this is not exactly what, what Van Prine said, but a kind of matter-of-fact, no-bones-about-it kind of instruction right now to get Amarius Mims. And by the way, Van Prine also had some stuff to say about Amarius Mims, but to get Amarius Mims to that next level, to get Broderick Jones to that next level, even for established starters like you know Warren McClendon, Cedric Von Prine, to get them to that next level there as well, that, that that's the kind of thing that maybe Stacey Searles has a chance to step in and do. The other thing that uh van Prine said that's going to probably get a decent amount of attention is in evaluating a guy he goes up against in practice uh, a lot and that's uh interior defensive lineman zion low now i would say probably on monday's show because we've been i've been trying to get to this now for the last couple of days we just had other stuff going on haven't really had time to but i do want to spend a little bit more time paying attention to zion Logue because we talked about Logue on one of my vacation shows a few weeks ago and this is clearly a very important player for UGA because he does step into an interior of a defensive line that loses Jordan Davis and loses Devontae White, and that's going to put a big spotlight on Logue here this season. But apparently there's some comfort with Georgia with him being in that spotlight. He was allowed to speak to the media here this week. Uh, Jordan Davis said some nice things about Zion when when Davis has spoken about the future of Georgia that is left behind after his departure. And Cedric Von Prong Granger also said some of those things there as well, that in lining up to do battle with Zion Logue, he sees a lot that he likes. In fact, kind of a nice pull quote here in terms of what the overall profile of Logue is as a player. I think Georgia fans are going to really like this. This is uh, Cedric Von Prong on Zion Logue. Don't kill me for saying this, but I think Zion is a version of like a combination of like, a, I guess I would say like J.D. and Devontae. Like he's in between both of them. He's fast. He's strong. Um, he can get he catch you off guard with his quickness, but he's also very powerful in the run game. So I think he's a, a mixture of both. So that's obviously a pretty interesting quote, and, and, and I think that that I don't think that SVP is trying to overhype Zion Logue by saying that, but certainly it is interesting to hear. Ooh, a size profile similar to Jordan Davis, but a, but an athletic profile similar to Devontae Wyatt. Obviously, that's a lot to get you excited right there. Uh, and really, it is worth your time to go and listen to the entire thing because he had more to say about Logue, more to say about a lot of stuff going on at Georgia right now. Easy to imagine that SVP is very, very quickly becoming one of the key spokesmen for this Georgia team. The interview yesterday, certainly an example of that. All right, it's Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. We have a special guest on today's show that we're going to get to a little bit later on. Uh, former Georgia quarterback Quincy Carter going to be on the show today. Quincy's doing some really cool stuff right now. He's working as a quarterback's coach, but he also has a great perspective on the quarterback positions. So we're going to talk to him about, you know, 
what he's looking for from from big time quarterbacks right now obviously there's a lot of big time quarterbacks in the news right now from the recruiting process we'll let Quincy talk to us a little bit about that we'll also look back on his career a little bit at a UGA and as a former player in this program have felt to see the dogs on top of the world as national champions back in January so really cool stuff with Quincy Carter the former Georgia quarterback before we're done on uh, today's program I'm certainly excited about having him as a part of what we're doing but for now speaking of quarterbacks that's also center stage for UGA recruiting this weekend when you think about Arch Manning taking his visit when you think about you know, you've had uh, Dylan Rayola around campus here there too uh, recently for the class of 2024 there is certainly a lot going on it's a very very big recruiting weekend for UGA we are covering all of that for you right now with Jeff Sintel here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. All right, a lot to say with uh, Jeff Sintel, a lot to talk about with him. So let's dive in there and uh, let's do that. And uh, Jeff, let me begin with the man of the hour, Arch Manning, if you will. It has you know been reported this would be the time he's taking that Georgia visit. My understanding is that is indeed what's going to be going down here. Um, you know, there's been a lot of twists and turns with, with all of this, whether it be the four finalists of Georgia and Alabama and Ole Miss and Texas and then the potential insertion of schools with new head coaches Florida and LSU into the mix really haven't heard much from that since then for now I believe the only schools that Manning currently has updated unofficial visits for are Georgia here this week and then Texas again next week I guess let me begin with kind of an overall landscape of how much of this is Georgia versus Texas and how much of this is Georgia, Texas, and still other schools in the mix for Arch? Yeah. Uh, hey, man. Good morning. Uh, happy Friday, everybody. Uh, I think it's to get ready to just get re- drilled down real, really to it. I think there's uh, folks that are knocking on the door and trying to get in, and I think that would be a lot of the schools you just named. And then I think there's a really a core um, – schools that were have been a contender pronounced contenders for the longest time and i think i think those schools are alabama georgia and texas i think those are really the schools to watch i think it was interesting for georgia fans that are burning a candle for another five-star quarterback that uh this is the first uh like manning had a had a busy winter he was uh part of a state championship basketball team for the greenies at isidore newman in new orleans uh so like his first this is his first really stepping out during unofficial visit season and he's choosing to, to, to take that trip to Georgia. That says a lot. That says a lot after even after Georgia with uh maybe moving with, with the decision made by Matt Luke to step away from football for a while. That that still shows most that Georgia has always and always been and will always be a contender for uh, Arch Manning. I think that's important. He's really got those two visits scheduled right now, one to Texas, one to Georgia. Again, Brandon, these are unofficial visits. I would imagine that, that these are ones that will kind of set the scene for however many uh, official visits that Arch Manning might want to take in May or June. I want to get into the specifics of the Georgia visit here in a moment, but let me also kind of address this, which is that in recent days, and there's basically like three major national recruiting websites now, and I think that all three have featured writers who've made an online prediction for Manning to end up at Texas. I'm not saying that is a groundswell of momentum for uh, Manning to go to the Longhorns, but there are some people out there who are kind of, you know, at least assuming that Texas is the leader right now based on some of the, some of the chatter. Where do you think that's coming from? 
Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of it just has to do with the hype machine there for Texas. I mean, and Brandon, we got to, we must admit here, this is the time of year when uh, a lot of these recruiting websites are going to try and make their, make their clicks, man, and make their coin. Uh, and there, there will never be another name, uh, in this recruiting cycle. And maybe, maybe for the next three or four years down the line, there's always going to be another name that the industry can hype up. But, you know, Manning carries a lot, especially because he plays quarterback and he has that, pedigree from grandfather arch to his two uncles uh that it's a very marketable player brandon they're already tracking the nil values for a lot of these guys and i think when everybody saw the um the story that came out last week or earlier this week about a a player with an eight million dollar nil deal on the table from the athletics uh that raised some eyebrows but the reality here is if arch manning wanted to be in the nil business i think that number for arch manning would go a lot higher uh there's an industry composite now by the on three recruit service that tracks each player's potential nil value and i'm sure they do it by brand name or social media followers and kind of interesting i don't think arch manning has any social media whatsoever and his nil evaluation is over a million dollars and I think that's what it is. I, I want to just be frank, Brandon. I think Brandon, Brandon, George's best chances, chances for Arch Manning are laid out pretty simple. Number one, they're going to have the offensive line and the running backs and the pro-style offense with great relationships like Buster Faulkner, the offensive analyst, and Todd Munkin to sell the NFL to him and to, pull, and to put him in an NFL system. But really the main thing, besides being a program that can win it all, a big SEC town, a good football town, is the fact that Kirby Smart's there. There's familiarity there from the Mannings and Kirby Smart. And really, it's not just Kirby Smart. It's the defense he will have on the other side of the ball. And perhaps the best way to train a future prodigy NFL quarterback is to, is to present him the challenges of going against the defense chock full with NFL schemes and NFL personnel each and every day in practice. Yeah, I think that's uh, certainly interesting. As far as the visit itself goes right now, I mean – Give for folks who you know maybe hear about this but don't really know. Like, what is Georgia trying to do on this visit right now? What is what is the you know you know the best we can kind of say? What is what is you know happening behind those closed doors? What is Georgia trying to to sell to Arch and 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 what is the plan of action if you UGA having him back on campus right now? Uh, I'm going to use the word calculating, Brandon. Do you think Georgia does anything here without, you know, expert planning and synchronicity in, in their plans? I'll give an example. So there's going to be uh, kind of an off day where everybody can kind of chill around this complex. Georgia has debuted something new for all these recruits that just saw the, the place last September, like Arch Manning did when he visited for the South Carolina game and sat in the front row. Uh, they've also got the new kind of bones, the new meal area where basically you can order on an app, you can order on a tablet, and that might be one of the best places to uh, eat in Athens, especially outside of the downtown area now, the, the bone players uh, kind of meal house. But here's where it gets really smart, unintended, is there's going to be another practice on Saturday. I believe weather permitting that that might be in Sanford Stadium, it might be still inside the house of pain if we still get some of the soupy weather that we have today. But, Brandon, does it strike you as coincidence that every Georgia commitment is also going to be in town this weekend? Yeah, interesting. Pierce Sperling, Ruquez McEldery, a guy that's still calling Georgia the crib, that's a pretty big story there this weekend in and of itself. 
Marcus Washington. I mean, really, they've got Raymond Cottrell, Lawson Lucky, all of the G-Wagon guys that are committed to Georgia. Oh, they're just going to buy half and stance, hope to be in town this weekend. And not only that, it's Georgia trying to line up one of my favorite words here, the constellation of guys around it. Brandon, this is the best way I can give your audience and you a good snapshot of this weekend. Is we've spent, I don't know, four minutes talking about the visitors for this weekend, headlining Arch Manning. This dude has overshadowed the fact that there is a five-star in-state defensive lineman in the class of 2022. That is LT Overton making his official visit this weekend as well. That's oh, right. yeah, by the way, there's still a 2022 five-star that's visiting. That's kind of, you know, I, I, I try not to be like a circus master or a ringleader because anytime Georgia opens the doors and they call it a big recruiting weekend, that's what it's going to be. They're going to be m- multiple five-stars, maybe even double-digit five-stars. There's going to be a dozen All-Americans. That's what Georgia's doing this weekend. They're trying to gather in a lot of guys this week to come see Georgia put its best face forward. And they're going to come see the Arch, and we're not talking about the one downtown there either. And the other thing that's pretty interesting here is Georgia's kind of going back-to-back right now, or head-to-head, let me say that. Clemson's also hosting a lot of folks this weekend as well. So this is a situation where Georgia is asking some of these top prospects to choose where they want to be, and a lot of folks are choosing they want to be in Athens. Why is it that the Overton thing is so under the radar right now? I mean, I had remembered from, you know, a couple of weeks ago this was the date that was established, but it just seems like it's been fairly radio silent on the Overton front. I mean, unless maybe I'm just missing something, but, you know, this was a pretty unusual story when a five-star like this reclassified to the 2022 class, and, you know, he's got obviously big names in pursuit of him, but it does not seem like there's a lot of huge chatter out there about Overton right now. Why do you think that is? I think probably because everybody's kind of already got their Christmas gifts largely for the 2022 class, and a lot of folks are moving on. It's almost like a, oh, yeah, that guy. And, Brandon, I think it would be that way if even if he was trending towards another school besides maybe a Texas A&M or an Oregon. I, I think there's also the complexity of it where Overton just got through playing basketball. He's reclassified. His brother is actually attending these official visits as well, and he's now on the transfer portal coming out of Liberty and they, those two young men make it seem like they're presenting as a package that would really like to play together. And it's intriguing in the older brother's case because he doesn't have a decorated career uh, to the best of my knowledge and research. He did not play at all at, at Liberty. And yet here he is on these kind of marquee officials with his younger brother um, visiting the likes of Oregon and other schools like that. So it, it is, it is very interesting how, uh, you have a, I guess, the eclipse of the LT Overton over official, official visit just by what's going on with the 2023 class, also the 2024 class, but most notably that Arch Manning fellow. You mentioned this a moment ago that these uh, recruiting websites have a business to run, so they're not going to certainly, you know, downgrade Overton because that's not great for business to, you know, not having to be a five star anymore. But realistically speaking, you know, being compared now to a bunch of guys who are theoretically a year older than he is. Do you think Overton's still a five-star for the class of 2022 in your mind? Obviously, he is for the class of 2023, but in comparison to guys who are a different age category, do you think Overton should justifiably still be considered a a five-star for the 2022 class? Good question, Brandon. I kind of thought an initial ranking for him felt about right. When he reclassified, I think one of the earliest rankings I saw for him put him around 32, 35 in the 2022 class. And that's where I feel like 
that's where I feel like justifiably I put him. Now, why do I say that? It's no really, it's no really dig on his ability. It, it's kind of crazy when I, when you say someone is one of the best 35 players in the country, that's not meant to be an, be an insult in any way. But the thing with Overton is there's really not a standout athletic quality. He's not, you know, look at the guys Georgia signed. Look at the guy Texas, the guys Texas A&M and Alabama usually signed. I think LT is probably about 6'4". He's about 260, 270. Um, and that's kind of pedestrian. His best thing was his read and react and his explosion and his burst getting off blocks, shedding blocks, getting to the edge. And he was really limited also in his junior season where he did not have a great junior season. And that's largely due to he had some broken bones in his foot that he was trying to come back early from. He did. And he gave his team uh, really great reps and really great efforts, even though he was probably 70, 75%. So the film in Georgia Class 7A football just didn't look like it did as a sophomore when he was about, when he had 21 sacks and he was playing at his best. So, and again, LT kind of made it very clear that he really was looking forward to moving on to the next level where he didn't, wasn't looking forward to a senior season where he would get doubled and tripled and chipped all the time. So he wanted to go and he thought he could, he thought he could elevate his career and get, get better a lot faster. Um, go ahead and moving on to the college level rather than spending another year in high school. So Overton on hand, um, Manning on hand. We talked about that. You also written a lot of the last few days uh, about Dylan Raiola too. Very impressive quarterback for the class of 2024, who's also recently taken his own visit there to Georgia. Give me a little bit on the Rayola situation before we kind of uh, put a bow on everybody else who's kind of in town right now. You know, obviously Arch Manning is a more famous last name, but Rayola is certainly an elite prospect in his own right. Yeah, Rayola, folks. I would I would counsel each of you out there to kind of commit that name to memory. And uh, I'm just going to say this: I think he is has as much raw talent as anyone Georgia has recruited to play quarterback in Athens since Kirby Smart has been around. I mean, there's a connection there with uh, Matthew Stafford. Uh, Dylan calls him his uncle Matthew. It's a really neat story I wrote about in detail that you know Matthew basically said, "Listen, man, I love it there." I had a great time there. I met my wife there. I met lifelong friends there. But you got to do what you want to do. You got to go where you feel comfortable. And here's what's happened. Georgia was his first offer last year. They've recruited him like his last name was Manning and not Rayola since that point. He's been to Georgia now five times. I don't think he's went to any other school more than twice. And his dad, oh, yeah, by the way, this is really a packed story, Brandon, but his dad spent 14 years in the NFL as a center for the Detroit Lions, that's how we got to know Matthew Stafford very well. He was in his wedding. Um, Dominic Rayola and his wife actually hosted um, Kelly and Matt Stafford during their first Christmas in Detroit when he was in the league. So those guys go back a long way. And Dylan, he's kind of up until the summer before his freshman year, Brandon, he was a defensive end because he was just so big. Now he's about six, three and a half. He's about 215 pounds. He's also a pro baseball prospect at catcher because he can really throw that seed down there to second. Oh, and by the way, Brandon, on film, Dylan Rayola has thrown the ball 75 yards in the air on film. Really presents a great prospect look. One of the most impressive prospects I'll ever cover, I'll ever see on film. And I, I, I know Georgia fans, when they hear me talk about Rayola, I, I think, Brandon, according to our readers, according to what we see on uh the Dog Nation forum board is that 
as hard as it may be to believe, some people figure that if Georgia lands Manning, then that means Georgia doesn't land Rayola. And the best compliment I'm hearing from a lot of red and black faithful is, is you know, it's okay if Georgia misses on Manning here because that kind of means that it really has the class separation everybody's looking for there with Rayola. And that should show you how really talented Dylan is. Final question for you. Anybody else you want to mention here in terms of being on campus this weekend for a Georgia fan who's trying to follow a lot of things right now? He's got his bracket and everything else to worry about here. Give me that quick final synopsis of what matters for Georgia with a whole bunch of big names on campus. <laughs> well, the bracket, I'm sure your bracket is like mine, Brandon. It's probably shredded um, White House press corps, White House back room shredded by about by about this time, but I, I think this is just a chance for Georgia to be Georgia. I'm going to say this, and I hope it resonates without kind of diluting what I do here. If the players are on campus already to win another national championship for Georgia, they were signed up in this 2022 class. Georgia has already a national championship stable of players, playoff roster uh, stable of players right now returning for the 2022 season as it is outside of the 2022 signees I think this is just more of Georgia being Georgia whether it's Manning whether it's Rayola sounds crazy but Georgia lands one of those two quarterbacks Brandon they would be set they would be set at the quarterback position with succession and separation you know looking into like 2007 something like that man so I think that presents a great future for Georgia's offense to be very frank, Brandon, the way this class has to be special is it has to be, I guess I would say, left-handed to kind of pair with the, the brilliance of the defensive recruiting class in 2022. Georgia's got to get those receivers. Brandon, I want to make sure your audience knows that this week Georgia got a huge visit from one of those George Pickens-type receivers, one of those guys that I think Brian McClendon will bring to the University of Georgia. That's Jalen Hale, number five wide receiver in the country, five-star prospect. He visited Georgia on Tuesday. It was his first visit. Georgia was already in his top 12 because of the Georgia program and the brand. So was Oregon because of the way McClendon had recruited him to Oregon. The first visit, Brandon, Georgia knocked it out of the park. They basically already kind of locked down an official visit from Jalen Hale going forward. And he's got all the big boys in his top 12. So that, my friend, says a lot. I think the biggest win Georgia can get in the 2023 class is they've got to dial up. They've got to load up heavy on the offensive side of the ball, especially the wide receiver type playmakers there. And I think this week and this weekend would give Georgia a great start on that. Hey, great stuff, Jeff. Thanks for your time. Look forward to reading a bunch from you at dognation.com. We'll speak to you again next week here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. All right, Brandon. Take it easy, buddy. Good stuff there from Jeff Sintel, and we'll keep the fun going here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Now, don't forget, speaking of Kroger, we'll give you our Kroger fuel for an upset uh, contest reminder coming up before all said and done, and we'll announce yesterday's winner. Uh, that's coming up here in a moment. Great stuff, obviously, from Jeff Sintel when it comes to recruiting. Uh, the stuff on Arch Manning taking that visit to UGA. Dylan Rayola, 2024 quarterback on hand there as well. And speaking of quarterbacks, that's a great topic for our next guest there as well. I believe it's our first time having him on the show. Obviously a uh, terrific figure in the football world. Quincy Carter, former Georgia quarterback, who's now working with the next generation of uh, top quarterbacks there as well. So 
We'll talk to him about kind of what he's looking for in quarterbacks. We'll talk to him about how it feels to see the school that he played for reigning as national champions. Obviously, Carter was also a second-round pick of the Dallas Cowboys there as well, so he knows a lot about what it feels like to kind of go through this NFL draft process, the way the Georgia players are right now. So there is a lot to do when it comes to a uh, big, pivotal figure in Georgia's football history, and that is Quincy Carter. In fact, he joins us here right now on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Quincy, it's a real pleasure to have you on the show today. I, I certainly appreciate that. I was a fan of you, certainly at UGA. Good memories of your time there, and love the work you're doing in the football world now. So thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us to talk about it here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing great, and thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, let me start with this. Anytime we have a former player on, I'm always curious to find this out. You saw the dogs hoist that national championship trophy this year, yes, that yes, season that yes. we'd been craving for such a long time. How much fun was that for you to watch? Oh, my God. Listen, I you know, I, was, I caught myself just staring at the TV for a little while and taking it in. You know, when, uh, when those, uh, last few seconds was going off the clock, man. But I, man, listen, I can't even put it into words. You know, uh, honestly, man, it's just, and that's for everybody. Vince Dooley. Yeah. You know, uh, shoot, I could name them all. Mike Bobo. Sure. You know, we've been through it all, man. And, uh, to finally see us get over the hump. And then we don't even have to hear the noise anymore. All of the 41 years joke. <laughs> And, uh, man, listen, so, man, it's just, it's a, it's such a blessing, man, to see us finally on top. I want to talk to you about what you're doing now, but I have to ask you, you know, when I go back and think about your career in Athens, I mean, I think for me, the, the game that probably stands out, maybe it does for you there as well, on the road at night, LSU, 1998, you have a huge performance, it's a top 10 LSU team on the road georgia gets that win and as you said over the course of the last 40 years you know there's some disappointment there's some sadness but there's also some you know really fun happy memories that are all part of what you know builds towards the national championship here this year when you think back on your own career what does the lsu game rank and you know when you think back on your own career what do you remember fondly about your time there in athens huh. Man, you know something? Uh, the LSU game ranks up there, honestly. Uh, but I, I think it's 1A and 1B. But that was the game where I really saw what uh, what winning a big game means to Georgia fans. Yeah. We were represented well down there in Baton Rouge that night. So that was my, you know, my first time like, man, this is big time. All right. And we was on the road. Too That's right. Deep. Yeah, I remember running back through the tunnel after the game, and uh, shoot, we had about twenty thousand fans to, uh, sitting there. Well, not that many in LSU, but sure. about a team. But um, but yeah, I mean that was that was a big night. But but now the one that uh, rings the the one A one B for me too that rings a bell, uh, real huge. It's the Tennessee game at home. That's and, right. And to see the, yeah, to see the fans rush the field. Because that's what you dream of, you know. Yeah, they end up tearing the goalposts down a little bit. That's uh, right. But, yeah, them are the memories, man, that you dream of as a kid and want to, you know, be on that field when that moment ha- when that moment happens. So that was big for me, too. So I got to ask about this because, you know, for our younger folks, they may not have, you know, memory of this necessarily. But what was that like? Because my memory is – 
is that you know the fans were kind of creeping down onto the field as the game was ending, and the yeah. the the goalpost on the one end was starting to come down even as there was still you know action on the field. It was actually almost one of those things where like, is this thing about to get out of control before the game is even over? Because what people don't realize is. You know, beating Tennessee was a very big deal back then. Georgia had gone a long time without beating the Vols, unfortunately. And this was yep. the game that was going to change. I think it's Tim Wansley that has the interception to, to seal it there at the end. I hope I have that memory correct. But what was it like for, for you to kind of not only see the crowd rush the field after the game was over, but to see that rush of fans almost start to kind of come onto the field before the game was completed? That was certainly an unusual sight for me being in the stands. And I wonder as a player on the sideline what that kind of felt like for you. You know, it's crazy. My hair is uh, is raising up on my arms right now, just oh, feeling yeah. that moment because uh, I just remember Randy McMichael going crazy and telling everybody to get off the field. And you know how emotional <laughs> of the player Randy was. Sure. And, yeah, and I remember that moment there. But then I was trying to, you know, make sure I got the next play in. And we were um, – doing what our coaches had wanted us to do, which was just kneel the ball down. Yeah. But, you know, you got to kind of try to stay calm in those situations, you know, for your team. Uh, but I just remember Randy McMichael just going crazy because maybe he was thinking we were going to get a penalty and, shoot, we didn't want to blow this moment right here. Uh, but, yeah, that's my uh, yeah, that's my best memory right there, Randy just going crazy uh, with the fans, though. But, that was a great memory, though. So i got to ask you this. Uh, you're obviously a quarterback coach, and you're doing a lot of work right now, and I want to tell folks that they can get in touch with you if, if they want to uh, do that. But as somebody who's working with, like, next-generation quarterbacks and top quarterbacks, you know, that's always something that George is in the market for there as well. you got a big quarterback like Arch Manning visiting right now. You hear about 2024 guys like Dylan Riola and, and others. As a quarterback who coaches quarterbacks, when you're looking at young future potentially elite quarterbacks what's the differentiator for you Quincy what are you looking at to see for a quarterback who really has that it factor what is the what are those those talents those characteristics those aspects of of, uh, playing personality that really jumps out for you and what are you trying to pull out of a quarterback when you're working with him well for me you know uh, of course you gotta have the ability um you know, that's first and foremost. But then what really separates guys are the guys that can listen in, hone in to what you're trying to teach them, and then make the proper adjustment on the next rep after you've actually corrected them. You know, and so that's when you know someone is locked in on every rep. And I preach so hard about you know, not worrying about what we're doing next, but only worrying about this throw here because in the game, that's what you, you know, your main focus on is one play at a time. So the guys that I see that can really make adjustments and then you actually can tell them something and then you see them trying to make that adjustment on that next particular rep, those are the guys that take their games to another level because you know they're locked in. You know, uh, I translate that over to, you know, that particular drill, but that's the adjustment that you can make on the sidelines for the next series. That's the adjustment you can make during a game. And so if a quarterback is able to do that, you know, and uh, and really comprehend what he's doing and locked in and focused on only the task at hand right now, 
that's uh that's a big uh a big deal for me. And then you know, of course, you got some other things, your leadership, how you going about your business, you know, working out, are you worried about, you know, uh are you really working out or are you really just trying to make a video to get likes on social media? Sure. So those are some factors though. What do you think of the current quarterback scene at Georgia right now? You know, I, I love competition. You know, shoot, I had to come in there and, and beat five guys out, you know, to win my job. Yeah. Uh, so that's the nature of our program. You know, uh, I, I we got a couple good young guys. I think, what, uh, Gunner's getting ready to – is Gunner – yeah, Gunner's there. That's right. Uh, yeah, and so, uh, so man, we got some good, healthy competition. Then you got a guy that just led his team to a national championship – and for those young guys to really watch that, you know, uh, whole maturation process and for them to see him being, um, you know, not having his best game in the championship game, but then being able to weather the storm, oh, man, that's going uh, that's just going to trickle down to the rest of those quarterbacks in the quarterback room. So I'm excited. You know, it's funny, uh, we think about the transfer portal kind of being a new thing right now, but as you said, when you won the starting job for Georgia in 1998, you know <laughs> – Everybody took one look at you, and they all got out of town, didn't they? Didn't just about everybody transfer out of the program once you stepped into the onto the field there? Uh, I think so. Yes, and I'm being modest, but sure. that's, uh, yeah, I mean, people had to make decisions for their future. Uh, but yeah, man, that's the nature of the beast right now. Um, you know, I, I think it's fair to be honest with you. Coaches make moves. Yeah, you know, they penalize. So I think it's fair. But now, uh, you know, every situation don't grant just because you're not getting what you want right now. Um, then, then you go and, you know, transfer and go to another school. So I think uh, better decisions could be made around it. You know, I, sure. man, I take my kids back when I got to make major decisions right now to checking off the pros and cons list. Uh, but, you know, I think it's fair. Uh, but then I think it's a little wild, too, at the same time. Uh, I want to find out how folks can get in touch with you. Let me squeeze in one more thing uh, before we do, and I know I've kept you a little long here, so I'll try to make this quick. Uh, a lot of folks wondering what Deshaun Watson's future is going to be, choosing between the uh, Saints and the Falcons right now. you got a thought on uh, how Deshaun's going to play out here. A lot of folks paying very close attention to all that. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting because, you know, uh, when you think about the Falcons last, I guess, well, I just – uh, talk about last year, you know, and then coming into this offseason, we thought it was going to be a rebuilding situation for them. Uh, so it's just, I guess, a matter of how uh, Deshaun's looking at the franchise in the next three or four years. Does he want to really come back to a, a rebuilding situation? Uh, but now I've seen they got some key uh, defensive guys on the free agent end, uh, so that might, you know, uh, spark a little interest in them. But it's going to be interesting. We'll see. Well, Quincy, uh, you're doing great work with quarterbacks right now as a quarterback coach, and obviously you're a fun guy to have on the show today. So for people who maybe want to access your training, whether it's the stuff you're putting out on social media or anything else, how can folks find out more about what you got going on? Uh, you can look me up on my website. It's QuincyCarter17.com. That's QuincyCarter17.com. Quincy, it is a true pleasure to have you on the show. Hope you have a great weekend. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Likewise. Thanks for having me, bud. Good stuff. So that is Quincy Carter, the former Georgia quarterback. And, man, what a uh, career he put together at a UGA. And with that said, we'll roll on to our SEC through right now. 
Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, uh, so fun stuff. Anytime you have a chance to go back and get a little blast in the past right there with uh, Quincy Carter, always kind of a cool thing to be able to do and his insight, his perspective on the current quarterback situation across football in general. Kind of a fun thing to catch up with on a Friday. I was really glad we're able to do that. Also glad to be doing this with you coming up very soon. How about cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. We're going to be with Royal Caribbean on Independence of the Seas. Coming up in April, your time to get on board is right now. This is the time to make those uh, big travel plans. So if you go to dognation.com, right there at the top, there's a link a link to click into. You can get there. Our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority helping us get this done on board with you cruising with dog nation i'm going to be there mike griffith's going to be there jeff Sintel's going to be there uh you're going to be there and we're going to be heading to nassau in the bahamas perfect day coco k and enjoying all of the great onboard amenities with independence of the seas i was just on a royal caribbean cruise a lot of you know that we had a blast i mean i think my wife and i both would say 10 out of 10 vacation experience uh for us and i am very lucky to say i get a chance to do that again here very soon there is just so much fun stuff to do so much good food to eat obviously great beverages and the cool bars kind of set up all around the uh ship itself some of the entertainment options whether it be like the the broadway style shows or live music really going on all over the ship it's just a, f- a fun time if you're watching a video you saw the bionic bar a moment ago on the ship that i was just on harmony of the seas they actually have the bionic bar like the robotic arm that kind of like makes your own drink for you there's the uh rising tide bar which is a bar that kind of starts on one level of the ship and uh, like an elevator almost the entire bar raises up and goes to the next level it's just some of the cool things that royal caribbean is doing trying to make the experience as much fun as it can be and that's what they're all about so dognationcruise.com that is a website or just go to dognation.com click the top you get in there our friends of the cruise and vacation authority helping us get this all booked We've got a whole bunch of folks going to be going with us as it is, but we need you there as well. Cruising with Dog Nation coming up in the month of April. April 25th, we're leaving out of Port Canaveral. So easy drive from where I am in Atlanta. I want to see you there, dognationcruise.com or top of the page at dognation.com for a lot more on that. All right, so let's do a little bit of a SEC through here, cruising on the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Obviously, day two of the NCAA tournament gets going here as I'm speaking to you live. And I'll actually be starting in just a few minutes and a lot of folks following that all day long today. Big story from day one was the loss by Kentucky uh, at the hands of St. Peter's. I talked about that some off the top of the program. Let me be a little bit more Kentucky specific on this right now, though, as we're cruising around the SEC here. I don't know how John Calipari comes back. And I you know, briefly glossed over this because, you know, it's Georgia fans care about Georgia, but I mean, imagine being a Kentucky basketball fan right now. Imagine how frustrating this would be. You bring all these elite recruits in. They go on to have great NBA success, but they really accomplish nothing when it comes to your program there in Lexington. You know, home game tickets for Rupp Arena, very expensive. The average Kentucky fan, for the most part, is priced out on all of that. Like, the experience of being a Kentucky basketball fan is, I think, for the most part, a really unsatisfying experience. And listen, Kentucky basketball is, as as you know, a very big deal. I mean, there is a fan base for Kentucky basketball that absolutely rivals what you see for a a lot of football in this league. So there's no, no shortage of fan interest, and yet it's just not adding up to anything right now. And at a certain point... How does John Calipari kind of keep selling the same thing over and over? It's great that you've made yourself kind of a de facto minor league basketball organization. You are the AAA of the NBA here in terms of putting guys into the league. But what does that get me if I'm a Kentucky fan? What does that get me if I'm a Kentucky donor? 
some of this NIL stuff that Kentucky was supposedly, you know, taking full advantage of. What those guys get for their money or gals or whoever it was that was, you know, paying it. Uh, how did all that work out for you? I, I just don't know how John Calipari comes back. And, you know, at a certain point, maybe you have to come to the conclusion. I've been slow to want to say this, but maybe it's just true. Maybe John Calipari is just not a good coach. Uh, you know, good at a lot, a lot of things. But if, if, if this is the kind of tournament output you're having year after year after year and deep runs in March are now many, many years ago, maybe John Calipari is just not a good coach. You at least have to consider that. Now, let me say this. The football thought that all of this has for me is, is I started the show today by saying, hey, college basketball is a sport where NBA success does not necessarily equal you know, tournament championship success. There doesn't seem to be a strong correlation there. Football, that seems to be very much the case whether it be for georgia this year alabama lsu clemson whoever else and so that brings to mind to me a football figure that i think deep down on the basis of the conversation i have with some of you deep down some of y'all kind of think that jimbo fisher may be the football version of john calipari some of you think it might be true some of you kind of hope it's true that somehow some way that that jimbo's acquiring all of this talent and yet a coach that so far at texas a&m hasn't really done much with the talent that he's had that's somehow going to continue. And, and maybe you'll end up being right about that. I don't happen to believe that because I, once again, lean very heavily on the connection between elite talent and football success. At a certain point, if you've got enough good players, it doesn't matter how good of a coach that you are. It's almost impossible to screw it up. And in the case of you know college basketball, for whatever reason, that's kind of not true. I think there are a lot of people who sort of hope that this number one class that Texas A&M has put together is not going to add up to much and listen I just don't think you have much of a leg to stand on in kind of hoping that turns out to be true we have seen so far that in the college football playoff era which dates back to 2014 every program over that span that has put a number one class together has eventually won a playoff national championship now I'm not predicting Texas A&M to win a national championship necessarily anytime soon but in terms of being a true elite contender, I do expect it to be the case. Maybe it's not in 2022, but probably a step in that direction. You know, I think quarterback is still a pretty big issue for Texas A&M to address. That's been the one thing holding Texas A&M back. But for those of you who kind of hope, and I get the sense a lot of you do, that Jimbo is the football version of what John Calipari is for basketball, a lot of talent, a lot of pros, very little you know, on-field team success. That's probably wishing for something that's just probably not bound to come true. There's just simply too much talent in College Station for not to add up to something. And by the way, you know maybe an extra thorn in Alabama's side in the division is not, not not such a bad thing. But but uh, just kind of keep that in mind. One more thing, and you know, listen, I don't really know what much to say about this, but I just find it kind of interesting. There is a lot said as of late about the possibility that South Carolina, who has parted ways with Frank Martin, Frank Martin's now working as a an analyst on. Uh, the tournament coverage for CBS and the Turner properties. So Martin's out at South Carolina and who is next as Gamecocks coach. There is a lot of chatter right now about Sean Miller. Miller, of course, who was fired at Arizona uh, a year ago because of Arizona's connection to all the NCAA stuff that and they had level, I think it was a total of five level one violations. They were kind of tied up in the whole FBI investigation type thing. And at least based on some reporting that's out there, that's not causing South Carolina to shy away from its pursuit of Miller. And yet um, Miller's name never really came up in a serious fashion with Georgia at all. And I think the assumption a lot of people have is, oh, well, Georgia doesn't want to go near the NCAA stuff that, um, that, that Miller has connected to his name. 
Now, obviously, I don't have my own confirmation that Miller really is being pursued by South Carolina, but let's assume that the litany of reports that are out there, they can't all be wrong. There must be some connection here. I would be very curious to hear more discussion on why a guy like Miller is a non-starter for Georgia, like the conversation didn't even get off the ground, and yet a potential viable candidate to a place like South Carolina, which is just three hours down the road. And listen, it's not even so much my belief that, well, Georgia should have hired Sean Miller or he'll definitely be a better coach than Mike White. I don't have a strong opinion on that necessarily. I truly am in just simple curiosity right here. Like, like why is Miller potentially okay for South Carolina if this is indeed true, but not okay for Georgia? Like, what is the difference? I'd love to hear somebody talk a little bit more openly about that, of, about why other programs' tolerance for someone like Miller might be different than what Georgia's tolerance appears to be? Or is this simply a matter of Josh Brooks, the athletic director, thinking that that Mike White's a better coach than Sean Miller is? I, I you know, Obviously, Arizona is a basketball power, so you know that's a little bit of an interesting contrast. But this is probably a story worth following to those of you who care about basketball at all, that SEC programs, a lot of them have job openings now, and are they willing to pursue a uh, pursue a category of candidate that maybe Georgia, for whatever reason, just wasn't willing to pursue? Interesting, worth paying attention to. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now, let me give a shout out here to our fuel for an upset, courtesy of Kroger here. Obviously, we did this yesterday. It was really fun. Got a bunch of entries. We even uh, have a winner. I'll give you the winner here in uh, just a minute. But uh, want to do this again today. So. You'll remember this. We're doing this on Thursday and on Friday of this week, and then Thursday and Friday of next week there as well. And this is all you have to do. Simply send an email to info at dognation.com. Give us your information, but you also have to do this because apparently some of you didn't do this, which gets me in trouble because they say I didn't explain it well enough. So y'all don't make me look bad. Do this right. You have to give us an upset. This is fuel for an upset. And the reason why I'm calling it fuel for an upset is because Kroger's the place we go for fuel right now because they're giving you fuel points and all kinds of extra benefits, things like that. But you got to give us your upset. Now, for us, we're not doing point spreads. We're not doing things like that. This is just simple seeding. Uh, in fact, our winner from yesterday had a nine beating an eight. Now, from a point spread standpoint, that's pretty narrow. But the nine is the worst seed. That was a win. That's the, uh, that's, the, uh, that's the upset. So all you have to do is give us a worse seed beating a better seed with your contact information, and you can be a winner. Now, we're doing a, a fresh drawing for today's slate of games. So if you entered yesterday and didn't win, you get a chance to be in there today. Simply send the email to info at Kroger. No. See, I'm already messing this up. See, this is why I get in trouble. It's info at dognation.com. Send the email to info at dognation.com. Give us a way to contact you, but also give us your upset pick. So, for instance, somebody who did this right and was the winner yesterday, Eddie Grizzle. Congratulations to Eddie, who had the upset pick yesterday. We drew his name. He is the winner of the Kroger gift card pack. Now, by the way, a bunch of gift cards to give you here. How about $100 to Kroger? How about $50 to REI? $50 to Home Depot? That's $200 worth of gift cards, courtesy of our friends at Kroger. Eddie Grizzle gets that because he had the upset pick for yesterday. We drew his name. He was the winner. So you can go ahead and get those in right now for the slate of games taking place here on this uh, Friday. Get yours in. We'll draw another winner out. And then this weekend, when the action gets set for next Thursday, next Friday, because we can't do this yet because the games aren't set for Thursday and Friday as of yet. But once they do, start making your picks for those. Send it to info at dognation.com, and we'll draw two more winners again next week. Any questions about that? Info at dognation.com. Send your uh, uh, upset pick. We're going to draw a winner 
$200 gift card, courtesies of our friends at Kroger. 100 bucks to Kroger, 50 to REI, 50 to Home Depot. We're calling it Kroger's Fuel for an Upset. And don't forget to check out Kroger for all of your fuel needs. And right now, we all got them, but Kroger's got great fuel point incentives for you on all of that. Okay, now I need a drink. And when I'm thinking about getting a beverage, I'm always thinking about my friends at the Finish Long Drink. And as you're settled in to watch some of the uh, round ball action here this weekend, the Finnish long drink is certainly a great choice to do all of that. It comes from Finland in the 1950s. Now, back in Finland in the 1950s, they didn't know anything about uh, a basketball tournament. But now here in America in 2022, we know all about that for sure. And we are enjoying that right now. And, of course, the uh, long drink, the uh, great way to do that, whether you're doing the traditional blue can, which got the gin kick with the grapefruit flavor, or the long drink cranberry, which is obviously got the cranberry flavor, long drink strong, 8.5% alcohol by volume, long drink zero, zero carbs, zero sugar. Uh, four different varieties of the long drink for you to enjoy. In fact, you can even get one of the eight-can variety packs, which is two different cans of each of the four long drink varieties. Just simply go to thelongdrink.com, put in your zip code. You can find out where you can pick up some today. Bars, restaurants, beverage stores, golf courses, all kinds of cool places that have the finished long drink. In fact, you know it's a cool place if it does have the finished long drink. So make sure you check some out and try some today. So speaking of the uh, tournament, kind of a cool golden shoe today. This was actually a really great moment from yesterday. Uh, so and we'll show you the video here. Basketball gets stuck at the top of the goal. And, you know, these big stanchions for these, uh, you know, the hydro rib gold type things. You know, at the very top there where like the, uh, you know, shot clock is, things like that. It's very, very tall up there. So Bleacher Report shared this video of the Indiana cheerleader in the crimson and cream gets lifted up. Uh, what do you call these? Like a basket toss type thing. So she gets lifted up there. I mean, about high above and goes and gets the basketball. And what was really cool is, A, we don't have the audio of this, obviously, but the the announcers were so into this that were, I think they kind of sent this as kind of a one shining moment type thing. And so they were all in on that. But the crowd there as well is just roaring for this cheerleader. It's actually a very good moment. Uh, this is a certainly a video worth going viral. Really fun for the tournament yesterday. How about lousy stinking Gators? Long title drought for them, 4,817 days. That's our Gator Hater updater. And our Gator Hater countdown, dogs in Jacksonville. To beat up on Florida again, the number one rival of these dogs, 225 days from right now. Y'all have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. Of course, R.S. Andrews online, rsandrews.com. Time to get that air conditioning unit tuned up for factory fresh specs. If it's March Madness, that means spring, which means you um, start thinking about warmer weather, which means air conditioning units here in the state of Georgia. And, of course, if you're worried about yours, R.S. Andrews can give you that peace of mind you need online, rsandrews.com. That mega tune-up's only 99 bucks, and it'll get your system back to factory fresh specs. Of course, it's busy for uh, sports here this weekend. Lady Dogs in the NCAA tournament, we're rooting them on. Diamond Dogs start SEC play in baseball against the uh, defending national champions, Mississippi State. Kind of looking forward to that there, too. And, of course, uh, NCAA tournament going on there as well. Georgia not a part of that, but we're all watching it pretty closely. I joked on Twitter yesterday but the fact that I had picked Kentucky to win the national championship. Now, listen, I don't take my bracket very seriously at this stage. But I had picked Kentucky to win and kind of made fun of myself for that. And I heard from some folks. Psychopsia 07 says the same thing. Uh, Dina Pruitt weighed in to say, if anybody picks St. Peter's to upset Kentucky, go ahead and give them the prize. Give them the prize pack, the golden shoe, and the Nobel Peace Prize. That's actually really funny from Dina on that. I didn't get a chance to see the game because I was uh, doing my son's baseball game. But I remember, like, in the old days, St. Peter's, you know, they're the Peacocks. That's their nickname. 
and their basketball shorts on the side you have like a logo on the side of your shorts it was basically like the nbc peacock that was kind of like the uh uh, that was kind of like their logo was like the nbc peacock i always thought that was like really cool they used to be you know kind of randomly in the tournament every now and then i would always see that i thought that was kind of funny other folks kind of weighing in uh you know having some fun there as well brian spears said his 11 year old daughter also had kentucky winning it all bummer losing to a 15 seed doubt too many had that in their bracket yeah uh that's the case i mean here's the thing if you're filling out a bracket this is my big theory on this which is if you're in a small bracket let's say your office and it's eight nine ten twelve people something like that like the safest way to win that bracket is to go very very chalky and i'm certainly far from the first person to ever say this this is just true is that if you're trying to win a bracket against a few people at work then the safer bracket makes the most sense. But let's say you're in like one of these like national contests or some of you are in very big. I mean, there are some local pools that can get up to a thousand entries. Uh, that's not a super common thing. But, you know, if you're in uh, if you're in a pool of some sort that has like, you know, f- you know, four digit entries, some sort of national thing or some sort of very big long standing thing where you have a bunch of people in there and you have a chance to win a lot of money if you were to have the right pool, if you're you're to have a you know the 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 best bracket, it does not make sense to go the chalkiest on that because if you win, you can assume that a lot of other people are winning there as well. So, you know, if you're trying to beat nine people in your office, then yeah, you take Kentucky and you ride them. If you're trying to beat 10,000 people in you know one of these you know big contests or something like that then the more you the more the the riskier the pick the better you have a chance of doing now obviously a lot of those are going to turn out not to be true but um but when you put yourself in kind of a this is the way this is the way that daily fantasy works by the way which is that to ha- you know to pick the better performers among the group of people that aren't commonly picked by other folks, that's how you win in daily fantasy. And like anytime there's been like a daily fantasy scandal, that's kind of always been what it's turned out to be that someone had inside information about the players that were picked the least. And those were the players that are obviously the, the most valuable and, you know, bracket stuff the same way. If you're trying to win one of these bracket challenge type things, then you better really get aggressive with a whole bunch of upsets. You'll probably be wrong, but the person that actually wins is going to have a pretty good combination of crazy picks because obviously crazy things do typically happen. Don't do those type of things to win a small pool because, you know, it's just – while there's always something crazy that happens, the fact of the matter is one seeds very commonly – obviously they dominate the first round, but they – almost always dominate the second round i mean the numbers back this up pretty heavily so if you're trying to win a small a small contest you know going with a chalkier level of pick probably just makes more sense on that which is probably more bracket breakdown than you wanted but nonetheless thanks for being here for rs andrews cool down today on the podcast side of things find them online rsandrews.com find us back here monday hope you have a great weekend this has been dog nation daily presented by kroger